Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where we dive into conversations about psychedelics and healing. I'm your host, Christine. And I'm Leah. We invite you to listen with an open mind and heart and a little bit of curiosity while we break your brains along with some stigmas and make you laugh along the way. So let's get into it. Hello, shroomies, and welcome to another episode of See You on the Other Side. I'm your co-host, Christine, and I'm here with Leah. And today we have Steve Hupp from Kentucky Ayahuasca. Hi, Steve. Hey, everybody. How are we doing? (laughs) Everyone's doing well, I hope. So I'm so excited for this. You have no idea. Um, I always give like a little bit of a background of how... Mm -hmm we came across people and this was such a random thing because Christine is who usually handles like reaching out to guests. Um, she reached out to me and was like, you're never going to believe this. I got this guy who does ayahuasca ceremonies here in Kentucky. And I didn't even think twice. I didn't look at the name. I was just like, Oh, that's awesome. And then my husband and I, literally like two weeks ago, was it? Yeah. Were you noticed? Um, we're on, we're watching Hulu and this thing pops up and it's vice and it's Kentucky ayahuasca still didn't think thought nothing of it. And I'm like, huh, we should watch this because he and I are both very, we're both being called to do ayahuasca. We've done mushrooms. We've done LSD. And for the past year or so, this has been kind of pulling me in. And I think you probably understand what I'm trying to say by that. Like, it's not speaking to me, but it's speaking to me. And so we watched this Absolutely. episode. Yeah, it, it does that. So we watched this and I'm like, holy shit, this guy's here in, in Kentucky. And then the next day, Christine comes over and she's like, so this shaman, this guy that I'm talking to about having on, she says your name. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? What was his name? (laughs) She's like, Steve Hupp. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, we didn't even know that you had this show. And I think that that's incredible because I feel like that was just another reason to have you on. Well, I thank you. Um, you know, it's been a strange and wild ride for us. You know, it really has. We've been doing it now for 20 years. And I kind of still to this day feel like I'm stumbling in the dark. You know, I'm just waiting for the next door to open and take the next step. And that's what I've been doing for 20 years with the medicine. And, you know, I don't want anybody to think that I laid in prison and came up with this master grand plan. Because that's not the way it unfolded for us, definitely. Well, and, and just as you described, go oh, ahead. Please, sorry, go ahead. I'm no, no, forgetting. no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, as she described, people are called to this, and I was called to it. You know, and as it gradually grew and developed, there was no way I could turn away from it. And please go ahead, Christine. Well, and thank you for sharing that. So, for those who haven't watched the show, your story is incredible. So can you give a little background about, you know, even before ayahuasca and where you were at in your life and then how you found ayahuasca? Okay. um, Well, the truth be told, I think ayahuasca found me, but looking back on my life, just about every dark nook and cranny of my life. And trust me, for a period of time, everything in my life was dark. And it was just the way that I lived. It used everything that kind of went against me to get me here where I'm at today. You know, like I didn't meet a shaman until I hit federal prison. That was after robbing a lot of banks and doing a lot of criminal stuff for years. That's crazy. And, you know. And then when I met this shaman, okay, I didn't, you know, it wasn't like he had shaman stamped on the back of his prison uniform. He was just a guy in my pod. 
And, you know, to be honest with you, I was going to rob him. That's why I was getting to know him. I thought he had dope drugs. So, you know, this is how I got to know Guadalupe. I never, I didn't tell him till later why I chose him to kind of buddy to him. Okay. First of all, he was Peruvian, which meant he was alone. You know, he wasn't ganged up with the Mexicans. He was, he was all by himself. And in prison, you're prey when you're alone. And so that kind of got me. That's what got my first attention. I really did. I thought he had a stash of pills or something because he was so calm. And long story short, I don't want people to think that we built a matchstick fire in a two-man cell and he told me the meaning of life. No, that ain't how it broke down at all. We didn't have ayahuasca there. He told me about it a couple of times and he didn't even spend that much time on topic because I'm kind of looking at him like he was weird, you know. Oh, what, Loopy? What kind of shit are you talking? You know, I mean, that's how I was coming, you know, coming at him. And long story short, we got to be uh, kind of friends. We walked the track together a lot and, you know, kind of spoke. Well, he gave me his sister's address to when he was leaving prison because he left before I was. He was in there because he overstayed a visa and got caught and he was border jumping. And at the time, they kept you in federal prison before they deported you. That's how they were trying to, you know, tamp down the border jumping at the border. Well, long story short, I got out a year or two later. After I got out, I'm still on probation. I'm still got a lot of paper tigers chewing at my butt from the feds. Well, I mailed his, I don't know why I did it. I'll be honest with you. You know, you meet a lot of people in prison. Oh, dude, mail me when you get out. Well, let me tell you, you never hear from none of them. Okay. I mean, that's just the way it goes. When did you, know, you get very out? Very rarely. I got out back in 03. Okay. 2003. And um, I mailed the address he gave me and out of the blue one day, months later, I get a two liter bottle and he got it into the country because he marked it dog shampoo. And, you know, and, and that's what I started with, you know, I went, and I'm a devout atheist. OK, I want to tell you where I'm at in my life. I'm 38 years old then. I'm 57 now. But I'm at 38. I'm a devout atheist and I've been an atheist my whole life. You know, none of the church shit ever jived with me. My older sister, she drugged me to every church there was trying to straighten me up and all the above. But. I was a devout atheist and I had done acid since I was 13 years old, you know, ever I've I'd done psychedelics and all that in school. And after every trip, I was still Steve. I was still an atheist. But when it came to this ayahuasca, I went into my garage with this two liter bottle. I want you to know I don't know nothing. I don't even know what dose to give myself. And I'm scared to ask anybody at this point, you know, because I'm still on paper. The feds have still got time on the shelf on me. So I'm trying to lay low. So I get a coffee cup. I'd heard something about cups. So I get a coffee cup and I fill that sucker with this thick, gooey ayahuasca that he had sent me. And that's that's how it started. And I mean, the first few journeys, man, were very introspective and painful. You know, I had to come to terms with a lot of shit. I had to come to terms how I had arrived at this point in my life. You know, what got me here and all the above. And I had to start working on all that anger and hatred that I'd accumulated in prison, you know, because prison's a very microscopic environment. And, you know, it, it conditions you to start immediately thinking certain ways. And so I had to start breaking that down. Long story short, I'm still transforming. Okay. You know, it's never over. That's what I tell people in my ceremonies to this day. Okay. You are going to, you're never done. When you're done, you're dead. Okay. And that's just the way you should approach your life. You're never done until you're dead. And I'm not done to this day. No one is, you know, but let me tell you, I progressed and I got better. You know, um, I have to thank my government, even though I'm not always a fan of my government. Okay. They allow us to exist. All right. Because if the government didn't want us here, trust me, they would crush me like a bug. 
you know, because I'm out there on international TV. I've done a lot of interviews, much like this one, Psychedelic Today, all over the place. I guarantee it. They know I exist and what I do and how I do it and who I do it for. I'm also ex-military. So, you know, the military holds a special place in my heart. I work with a lot of soldiers, you know, and I also work with them, you know, if they need it, I give them breaks. We do pro bono ceremonies. We don't advertise it, but, you know, if you present me enough evidence that you're in a hard spot and you really need this help and you're really sincere, yeah, we'll work with you, definitely. You know, we'll try to get you some help in some way, shape, or form. You know, and I couldn't have done this without being a criminal. I'll be honest with you. And I really do believe that's one of the reasons the medicine chose me. You know, in a journey one time, Mother Aya came to me and she was like, get me out of the jungle. That's your that's your mandate from me. Get me out of the jungle. And that is what I've been working on ever since. And that's why we've deconstructed it. You know, if you check our website, AAQuest.com, we we tell you right there, we don't do traditional ceremonies. We don't recreate Peru. We've redesigned this for us here in America. You know, things that we go through, the conditioning, the school, the culture, you know, industrialization. Those are things that sometimes a traditional Peruvian or Brazilian or Colombian shaman is not going to be able to help you with because you have to understand it, you have to live it. Just like I couldn't help you stay alive in the Amazon. Because I've never lived in the Amazon jungle. Yeah, I can read about it. I can tell you about it. But I'm really not going to be of any assistance to you there. Does that make any kind of sense? Oh, absolutely. I've literally never thought of it that way. And in one of our episodes, when I was talking about being called to do it, I felt like a little bit of a poser. And I said that because I said I was looking into places here in Kentucky but I felt bad for not doing it in Peru or Costa Rica. But I think what you're saying, it's, you're exactly right. This is one, it's not a one size fits all medicine. And our society has taught us one way and it's not necessary. That needs, you're exactly, that's what needs to be deconstructed and broken down is what's hurting us and what's hurting us here isn't necessarily what's hurting Peruvians or people who are in Costa Rica. We have a very different hurt, if that makes any sense. Well, and I, even when I emailed you, I had said that, like I wanted to be conscious of that and you corrected me in that email. So I love that. Yeah, I do too. It's kind of given me a different perspective. Um, And another thing I hope people remember out here, that word ayahuasca is really a meaningless word, okay? Because every shaman brews their own brew, their own way, under their own protocols. So it would be like me inviting you over for a beer and a sandwich, all right? You don't even know if you're going to have alcohol or meat, because in that word, beer and sandwich, you form an idea in your head, just like we do with ayahuasca. And we think when we say ayahuasca, we've really described, you know, what we're talking about. But the reality of it is every brew is different. You know, there's 400 different beers, but not all of them are brewed with the same ingredients and have the same alcohol content or have the same effects on people. And that's what you got to remember with that word ayahuasca, you know, as as you're talking to people or getting it out there, that it is really a a very vague term that describes a lot of different brews. Yeah. What would you say to someone? I mean, we're in this space, so we know probably a little bit more than the average housewife (laughs) would know. Um, with what ayahuasca is, because my understanding is very minimal, but I know that it has DMT in it and I know that it's not, but I also know that it's not the same type of experience. Correct. Um, what, what I would equate it to is this. Okay. I look at ayahuasca or Kentucky ayahuasca, whatever you want to phrase it as a molecular portal to a completely another realm. Not only within yourself, but in the Netherlands, if you will. I don't know what else to call it, you know. And Mother Aya is just one of many entities. And many different entities can come through, many different types of, of feelings, because 
It's something that no words can describe accurately. You know, when I first started, you don't know how many, t- how long I sat in a blank room trying to think, well, how am I going to sell this shit? Hey, dude, it's going to make you puke and shit. And, you know, it's going to scare the living fuck out of you. You know, I mean, and you might not never be the same. Oh, my God. You know, I mean, Sounds great. Just, you know, that's a hell of a pitch, especially on the Internet, especially through a website. You know, you don't even have personal interaction to work with. But that, then that's where we come back to what you had spoken about, Leah, and that is people are called to this. We create avenues to what we do. And p- the people who are called, you can't stop them from getting here. And the tire kickers who ain't quite ready, I'm glad they take a step back. You know, take your time. You got the rest of your life. But man, so many beautiful things is happening in our world. And they're not really being caught on the news with all the doom and gloom because that's what sells a lot of quick ads. But the reality of it is, man, nothing's changed. Adapt or die. That, that, that's the only thing you can do in this life. And that was the only thing you were born with, adapt or die. I love that. And for those who haven't watched the show, this is a family affair. So you do this with your wife, Terry, and your stepson, Nick, right? Yes. And that's crazy. Yeah, Nick's kind of taking a back seat. Nick's kind of taken a little bit of a step back from it for a while. He's been with us, man, since a teenager. I can't imagine growing up like Nick, you know. I mean, he because you, when I first started, this wasn't done in a building on Front Street with our flag hanging out front. You know, I was working out of motel rooms and campgrounds, you know. I was drawing in people that, to be honest with you, is a harsh and brutal thing to say but when i first started brewing i would only work with hardcore drug addicts and the reason was if i killed them no one cared because they were already on death's door you know because i didn't know you know you know no one could teach me how to brew i had to read a little bit i learned to pick go through court cases and you know pick and choose and all the above but i was experimenting until we got our brew down, suppliers down, and our consistency. But in the beginning, it was the Wild West. I can't tell you. I mean, I got some crazy stories of individual experiences out there. But, I mean, that's how we learned. Yeah, and so with that, if you were working with, you know, all addicts, how did that go? Well, hey there, shroomies. We are so excited to have our first official sponsorship with Colors Gummies, a game changer in the world of mushroom-infused treats. So let's dive into what makes Colors Gummies so unique and why we love them so much. For sure. Unlike other brands who use ground-up shrooms, Colors uses nano-mushroom extract from organically grown mushrooms. Their exclusive extraction process ensures purity and potency, making them five times more robust than raw mushrooms alone. Plus, their gummies carry a full-spectrum blend of tryptamines for that one-of-a-kind experience. That is amazing. So what about dosing precision? Yeah, so Colors addresses this issue with their proprietary nano-extract. It's water-soluble, ensuring a one-to-one dissolution ratio in water. No more unpredictable experiences, just a consistent and reliable dose every time. Ah, I love that. Okay, now let's talk comfort because sometimes I get shroom tummy, but not with colors gummies. Oh my God, same. And there's a reason for that. I always thought it was just completely unavoidable when taking shrooms. But with colors, their extraction process isolates active compounds, leaving behind the indigestible compounds. They're gentle on the stomach, so no shroom tummy with colors. Convenience is crucial too. Colors gummies are heat resistant and perfect for on the go. There is nothing worse than finding your melted mushroom chocolates in the bottom of your bag. Holy shit, right? (laughs) Like good luck dosing that out. Colors gummies remain solid, heat resistant up to 180 degrees, but who the fuck is going in 180 degrees? (laughs) And if you are, you're not dosing mushrooms. (laughs) They're convenient for any adventure, so no mess, even distribution, reliable dosing, and a shareable experience. Okay, so now let's talk purity. Colors is committed to all natural and no synthetics. Yeah, so many brands use synthetic lab-derived compounds, but not Colors. They're committed to clean products free of inorganic lab-derived compounds, and all of their products undergo third-party lab testing for potency and purity. 
So there is a whole range of products from colors, including microdoses, perfect for those starting their journey or seeking a lighter dose, the double strength pouch for a more robust experience, and my new personal favorite, the Amanita Muscaria gummies for relaxation and stress relief. Ah, I love them too. They are also vegan, gluten-free, and made with real fruit juices and purees. Colors gummies are artisan-made and hand-poured for a truly exceptional experience. Ready to embark on a journey or microdose with colors? Visit the Colors Gummies link in our bio and use our code OTHERSIDE15 for 15% off your purchase. And most importantly, be safe and dose responsibly. Hell yeah. You know, at times I had some scary moments, you know, because sometimes people get into the journey and I can be what they hate just as much as I can be what they love. You know, like if they get into a psychotic episode in the journey, I had one gentleman, he thought I was Satan and he was going to kill Satan. And, you know, fortunately I've been a lot of places and I know how to take care of myself, but I mean, it was some, you know, some of it was hectic times. Others, it was beautiful. That's what kept me going. Months later, I started getting emails and letters. Dude, you saved my life. You know, I can't begin to tell you, you know, I'm with my family now. I've rebuilt my life. I got a job. Everything is going great. And these letters kept coming back in these emails. And pretty soon I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, I can't quit. You know, even though at times I'm scared, you got to realize to the government, I'm Charles Manson. okay, and I'm playing with people out here with psychedelics, you know, which the last time a convict and psychedelics and regular people interacted, it didn't turn out good. okay? so, you know, for (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. And that's the reality of it, you know, and and so that's why I said the government allowed us to exist. I don't want anybody thinking out there that I feel that I beat the government at their own game because I don't feel that way. I feel that I'm very fortunate to be in America where even though this isn't something that we would call normal by any means, they, they were looking at the results and they allowed us to continue. I love that. Um, you know, you're talking about how. There's a lot of purging, you puke, you shit your pants, (laughs) like, and what's interesting, you know, you say that to people and and that's what they hear on reality TV or on, um, I don't know. I don't know where I've seen it. Uh, what's that Chelsea Handler? She Mm. does it and she puked and hated it and was like, I don't remember exactly what she was saying, but I have a psychiatrist who is very well versed in psychedelics and has done so many ayahuasca ceremonies and and kind of dabbles in a lot of things and he and I were talking about it and I said you know I'm not af- I'm not afraid of purging and I've done mushrooms enough to know that like once that ego is gone like I'm just there and I don't care what anybody else is thinking about me I don't care about purging and I've also had three children so I'm like I've crapped on the table giving birth like but what i know is that on the other side of it was something so beautiful that it was worth every shit (laughs) so i am not afraid of purging And that's beautiful coming into it. But our experience has been, while, yeah, puking and shitting gets the biggest press, you know, it's the aha, oh, my God. But it's really purging. There's lots of different ways that I've seen purges. I've seen people laugh through the whole ceremony. And that was just as big a purge as vomiting or shitting. I've seen some people cry. I've seen them do it all. But very rarely, I mean, I can count probably out of thousands of ceremonies, maybe 15 people that actually shit themselves. You Good know, to know. It just depends <laughs> on where the where the bathroom is, you know, and, and that's what we, you know, kind of take into account on our ceremonies. Our bathroom is real close to the ceremonial room. And we tell everybody going in, the number one rule of our ceremony, don't trust a fart. <laughs> <laughs> Never trust a fart because it could be a shart or a full on shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
I am. I have it's never wanted to do. Awesome. I've never wanted to do ayahuasca more, honestly. <laughs> and with you. Yes. So uh, this is just another comparison that I've heard. And I'm, I'm saying all of this because I've never done it. So I just want people to know I have no knowledge of this outside of speaking to you in my own research. But, um, you know, mushrooms is a very introspective thing for me. It's, it's a lot of going into myself and it's, it's about, it's very lonely, but comforting if that makes any sense. Like it's not about anybody else. It's not about anyone else helping me. It's about me helping myself. I have a lot of mother wounds and I have heard ayahuasca called mother, mother Aya. Um, it's a female energy. It's a female medicine. And I have heard that it comes in, that she comes in and she's there with you through your experience. And part of me wanting to heal that inner child that is trying to fix these mother wounds. I'm like, you know what? It would be really nice to have a mother with me while I do something like that. And I feel like that's why I keep wanting to go to it. Is that something that you've well, heard or I mean that you've experienced or seen or? Oh, absolutely. I've experienced it firsthand. You know, me and Mother Aya, I talk to her just like I talk to you, you know, in my head, in my heart. And now they're with me all the time. You know, this ain't something I have to drink ayahuasca. I don't journey without ayahuasca, but they're always around us. You know, we just have to believe. And one thing I want to touch base on really, especially for your listeners, from our perspective and what we have learned we don't subscribe to ego death, okay? Because the ego is your first self and you never want to kill a piece of yourself. We subscribe to ego transition through trust and teaching your ego trust in the world. Your ego matures just as you did as you learn to trust the world, as you learn to progress. And then because your whole experience here is about becoming whole, not dissecting yourself and living a compartmentalized life. That's what serial killers do. You know, if you want to become a whole human being, you want to become, you know, accept every part of yourself and forgive every part of yourself through this process and through your inner talk and your self-talk. I mean, see, we give much more than just ayahuasca. All of it comes together in a synergy. And everybody on my team, I call them my junkyard dogs because we all are junkyard dogs, every one of us. We didn't read about failure. We lived it at its most granular level. And not only did we live it, we overcame it. And we all built back our lives and built the life that we deserved. And it didn't matter. I got members on my team who have been institutionalized for over 15 years, you know, loaded on booty juice, as she called it, in the rubber room, you know, and Mother Aya, and now she's been with us six years. Her name is Megan. She's one of my medicine women. And I mean, she is doing great. I mean, all on her own now. And I mean, I couldn't even tell her story correctly. Paige, our other medicine person, she was a horrible heroin addict when I met her and through Mother. But I want people to understand out there that you're listening in your listening office. This ain't like a lightning bolt, okay? I don't want you to think you're going to drink a couple cups, puke and shit and fart and laugh a few times, and boom, your life is going to get better. No, you got to put the work right in beside the medicine, and it takes time. Time is an element of the recipe of not only recovery, because recovery just gets you back to the point of failure. I want you to have a beautiful life, not just get back to existing, not just get back to, you know, where you were when you fell off the cliff. I want you to build that your own paradise. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it taste like? You know, and those are the things that we all had to do. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's the same that I think is with uh, mushrooms and really any psychedelic and probably why when you were, you know, a young teenager and doing these psychedelics, nothing was really happening for you in this profound way, because it, it I think intention is important. I think integration is more important. Um, coming back to real life. And I did a lot of my first psychedelics in the military. 
Ooh. you know, when I was in the army, that's where I did a lot of at, at that age. And, you know, in the military is not exactly the place you're going to grow spiritually, you know, because everywhere you're going, you're practicing to kill them. I mean, <laughs> yeah, true. So are you, where do you stand now? Like, are you still, I mean, I, I'm, I doubt you're atheist, but what are your beliefs now? <laughs> My beliefs is, uh, one, I believe in Mother Aya. Okay, Mother Aya is one of my guiding, you know, she's a guiding goddess. You know, I believe that there is a, a, a universal intelligence that we don't understand, you know, about the universe and the world that we live in. Um, you know, I believe in an afterlife that you create through your belief. You know, I, it's been revealed to me in journeys that the first plane after we leave this planet, this physical realm, is the plane of illusion. And that it's very subjective to your beliefs. That's why Christians see Jesus when they cross, you know, Muslims see Muhammad, you know, whatever your belief. And so, you know, I believe I want to I'm enacting my godhood. You know, this is part of that path, because when I look at all the stars in the universe and how big I can see and know that it's much bigger than any of us can truly envision, what does it need? It probably needs creators. You know, and it probably needs different creators and different types. And so this experience for me through pain, through growth, through all of it is about remaining open. You know, that childlike openness to everything, whether you understand it or not. Wow. I love that. I have a question from a friend because she... Okay. She is the one who found you year, like maybe a year ago and sent your information to me. And I never really like plugged the two together. Um, it, it was just, she found it and was like, I, I thought about doing this. She got some information back. I don't think she ended up joining because she's on some medications and she's a little bit hesitant to come off. She was reading your, um, the dieta the, the protocols mm -hmm. for beforehand. And, and I get that. Um, but I read it and I was like, Oh, I, Oh, I'm ready. Like I can, I can do this like now, but we were kind of waiting until I was scared to do it alone. So I'm like waiting on, and I realize this is something that I need to work on is like waiting on other people to join me before I do something. I'm like having this realization now, as I'm saying it. <laughs> Because even my psychiatrist was like, you don't need anybody. If you're going to do ayahuasca, you need to go and do it for you. You don't need a support system. Mother Aya is going to be there to support you. And I have been just waiting on someone to go with me. So I kept putting it off, kept putting it off. And I guess my question is to you, because we have the same type of protocols for, mus for mushrooms. Like you, you shouldn't be on medications. You have to know your family history. What exactly does that look like for ayahuasca? Like medicine-wise, diet-wise, what do people need to work towards? Okay, on our website, we have a free application. I just want to let people know. And that's your first step with working with us. And it's going to list your medications and all that. It's also there to give you some time to think about why I'm doing this, because those are some of the questions. What are you looking to get out of it? Have you, you know, stuff like that. And what I would tell someone walking up and asking me is, is, you know, the first thing is SSRIs. What's dangerous in ayahuasca is the MAOI inhibitors that we must use to put the enzymes in your stomach to sleep that kills DMT. You must realize DMT is in everything we eat, in your meat, in your vegetables. And if we didn't have these enzymes, we'd be walking around on a DMT journey every moment of the day. And that, and that is why. We have MAOI inhibitors in the brew that puts them to sleep so we can try to get it uptaked into and cross the blood-brain barrier. So with that being said, SSRIs are a no-no, okay? You take Prozac, for example. That's a one that's out there quite a bit. you got to be clean for 45 days from Prozac before you can safely do ayahuasca. Okay, let's say somebody comes in and on their application, they're five foot seven, but they weigh 385 pounds. All right. Well, when we see that, we're going to ask them about their blood pressure because ayahuasca can spike your blood pressure. And so if we think you may have had heart problems or you do have heart problems, 
we're going to send you to your doctor to talk to them about it to make sure this is a good fit for you. Okay, you got to be much more hardcore about your safety guidelines with ayahuasca than you do mushrooms because we also offer mushroom ceremonies. You know, you can get it from us on the website. We'll ship them to you since COVID. We've been doing virtual ceremonies and those work out really well for people. Give them guidance how to set up their space, especially if they're first timers. And of course, we're screening any mushrooms that come through the church. And that's a fun job. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I want to apply. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, those are the main things. Of course, while we're talking with you, we're kind of gauging, you know, where you're at life. You know, if I suspect you have schizophrenia, I'm probably not going to be able to work with you. And the reason is in a trip, a schizophrenic can get lost in their psychosis. You know, we did, we accidentally got a, a schizophrenic in probably about eight years ago. And at the end of the day, I had to call his people, come up and get him, take him to the hospital to be sedated because he was just, I couldn't get him back. And it was even after the ayahuasca was over because DMT is out of your system pretty quickly. You know, the rest of it is, is again, what's been opened up within you, you know, what has touched you while you were in that presence and how you're working with it as well. You're in a free will universe. And what that means is you can't make your journey happen. You have to allow it to develop. And you have to allow these things to happen because they have to want to work with you and you have to be in a place where you want to work with them. So to all you parents out there who think you're going to bring me your 18-year-old kid and drop them at my door and go, they need ayahuasca because it does happen. I don't know how many people I've Yes, I'm not kidding. Yeah, we get emails every now and then. My son needs this. If I get him there, will you give it to him? No, that ain't how this works, you know. But (laughs) I think anyone trying to ship their child off to do that, maybe you should take a look at themselves and think maybe I need to do some ayahuasca. (laughs) Well, you know, as you were saying with Mommy Hurts, we're all traumatized. By our parents, you know, the first time your mom slapped your hand and told you, your little subconscious mind immediately identified, "Woo, this woman could hurt me, you know, and it never crossed your mind before. And you didn't have language to reason. Okay, so. That's just one little pocket of poo. That's just five seconds of your little life. Now, imagine from one to five before you had language. What was the other little pockets of poo and how did your subconscious develop paradigms to deal with it and to manipulate the world around you? That's why most of us don't like our immature ego, because all it's learned thus far is manipulation. You know, the first time mama put a nipple in your mouth, whether it was breast or bottle, and you learned to work it and get sustenance, you've been manipulating everything around you ever since. We all have. Mm-hmm. And that's immaturity. That's deep. Never thought about it <laughs> like that. Holy fuck. <laughs> I didn't know we were getting therapy today. God. <laughs> well, forgive me. Damn, Steve. I'm awesome. But, you know, this is also what we give in our ceremonies. You know, this is how we set the stage to a better understanding of ourselves and our primal self. You know, I ask in my ceremonies sometimes, I'll say, okay, how well do you know yourself? And you every now and then, you always got this idiot who, I know myself the best, I know everything. And the first thing I'll ask him is, is what's the color of your pancreas? And, you know, most of them look just kind of like you all look right there. I don't really know, and I don't want to say anything. But any- <laughs> I don't claim to know everything. But I don't know. <laughs> Pink. <laughs> but anyway, it's golden. So how you know, how do you give love to your to your pancreas if you don't know what it looks like? How do you give love to your liver? The only organ between you and the most toxic environment known to man, which is our modern world. You know, and that's self-love too. You know, that's bringing it right to to where you're at physically. And that's part of becoming whole. Damn. Damn, we need to, we need to go. I know. So, well, I'm gonna make you. An, I'm gonna make you an offer here. Oh, okay. I like you both. You put together one person each to come with you, 
That'll be four because four is a nice little group. And we're going to make a time that you can do ayahuasca on me. But you got to promise you're going to report about it. We will. And this will be a three, three day, two night. I have a question. Can we record it? Well, yeah. Yeah. As long as everybody's, as long as everybody is okay with it, I'm cool with it. Holy fuck. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm going to probably cry. And y'all think about it and we'll put together a date and time that we can do this and you can record it and then it'll be a good thing. Then trust me, this is the way to really be able to do your, to, to really get it out there because I can tell you about everybody else's experience, but it's not going to be yours. Wow. Um, I don't even know what to say. I don't either. I think Steve, you're, I don't. I know you don't know me very well, but I I get very emotional a lot of times. But, um, you know, I'm just gonna say it. Like my husband's a year sober. Um, he's kind of going through a little bit of an awakening right now. He hasn't done mushrooms in a very long time, but I think that that's kind of how it works. He was an atheist for years and years and years, and has just recently come and said, "I don't know what I am," and he doesn't. He doesn't feel right in his career and he's just very stuck. And he came to me a few weeks ago. I feel like even just a week ago was like, I think I need to do something. I need to do something, something big and it bigger than mushrooms. And I was like, okay. So I think this is like one of the best gifts. I don't know. I'm like freaking out a little bit because I think this was needed and the timing was perfect. And I'm like, all of these things are aligning and I'm just slightly freaking out. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, well, it's a good thing. It Just is a good thing. Anybody, anybody you bring, they got to do an application too. Okay, yeah. I'm going to make you honorary members, and of course, you know, we're going to do it today. Film it. Yeah, I'm going to no, do it was, today. <laughs> yeah, please do the application today, and then we'll start working together on dates. Okay. Well, we're we're doing it. So thank you. I am like, and then, you know, <laughs> let me know about. Are you going to have camera people? I mean, if we do four people. There's enough room here that we could have a camera person, you know, somebody you all know and trust. I mean, it's just kind of us. (laughs) It's just like we do all the camera and editing and everything. So we can literally just do a tripod. But I mean, I already know I would bring my husband with me like 100 percent. Like he needs this more than I've been wanting it. And I've been the one being pulled to it. But part of me feels like I was being pulled to it for him. Yeah. Is that yeah. weird? <laughs> no. No, none of it's weird. None of it's weird. Not at all. And don't over-process either. Just be. That's the main thing. How many times do we talk about how much I overthink and over-process? And just let it be what it is. <laughs> and let me tell you what, what really helped me when I was robbing banks and such and in prison to deal with anxiety. Always focus on your breath. Bring your mind to your breath, in and out. Anytime you feel yourself escalating, anytime you feel yourself racing thoughts, because the human brain can only think of one thing at a time. And that's when you give it something to do. And your breath is always with you. And when it ain't, nothing else is going to matter. You're right. I mean, do you do breath work too? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You are really we uh, we do we do we not necessarily in ceremony, but you know we delve into a lot of things our own personal. Always, you know, sourcing things. You know, I'm I'm open to everything. You know, I don't think anybody has all the answers. I'll be real quick to tell anybody out there I'm no guru. I'm just a guy who has been doing this a longer than most. You know, I believe everybody can do what we do. You have the capacity. If you choose to go through the moves to get there. I was very excited to interview you, but I feel like even just talking to you, and that's why I can't wait to meet you in person because it's everything you say is even more profound than what I was expecting. And even watching your wife, Terry, on the show, she is so motherly and nurturing. And so my question is, is, you know, when you went into your garage and you did ayahuasca for the first time, because I remember you saying like, you know, whatever you hear, don't fucking come in here and just let me be. After you yep. did that, was she like, 
on board or was she like, Steve, what the fuck are you doing? Well, I have to give Terry a lot of credit because she was really the brave one in all this. You know, I want you to put yourself in her place. She came home one day for after work and working 80 hours a week as a restaurant manager. She was my first boss coming out of prison and she didn't want to hire me. That's where we started. Really? Okay. And. Yeah, she was a manager at Steak and Shake, and fortunately, the general manager at the time had a soft spot for convicts and overruled her and put me on her shift, okay? And we didn't talk for months, but anyway, now we're together. We're going to jump ahead about a year or so. We're together. We're living together, all the above, and... She comes home from work one day after I'd been into the garage. You got to realize she just thought this was another silly shit that I'm doing. You know, I mean, I do a lot of crazy shit. And anyway, so she comes home from work and there's plant materials all over the kitchen. The house fucking stinks. I'm trying to figure out how to brew ayahuasca. And I'm looking at her telling her, look, these entities told me we could do this. Okay. (laughs) Now, I know the DEA may kick in the door at any time, but, you know, they said trust, you know. Oh, she married a killer. You know, she 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 fell in love with a killer. And all of a sudden I'm turning kumbaya, you know, so, you know, I can just see, you know, or, you know, her her mind is going with this, you know. And but she held her breath and held her tongue and gave, you know, gave me my crack at the bat. And I mean, it wasn't an easy thing because I'm meeting people in motel rooms in different cities at campgrounds. Sometimes they're single females. Sometimes they're married couples, you know, but that that's how I got going. And she also knows these are drug addicts, you know. She knows these are the lowest of the low. They're one step away from hitting the, hitting the coffin. And so, you know, she was the one that was really brave because she's never did psychedelics before this. You know, she was not into the drug scene, if you will, as as far as that goes. She liked to play with some pills, Dilaudid, when she was a kid, but nothing too serious. And, you know, so she was the one that was, this was really a leap of faith. And, you know, it started dawning on her, back to your original question, it wasn't after the first night or that first week. It was about a month later when I was not as angry. You know, when I was having different reactions in traffic, when people cutting me off at the grocery store didn't just piss me the fuck off, you know, and I mean, things like that. It was smaller things, smaller details. And, you know, that's what I tell people leaving the ceremony. Don't try to explain this shit to nobody because they're not going to understand. Words ain't going to be able to convey it. And all they're going to do is rain on your parade. Because they're going to ask you questions you're not at a place to answer yet. And that's kind of how I was then. You know, I I had struggled with it, man. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure I was just tripping in the beginning until the same entity started coming back to me and picking up the conversation where we had left off. That's what blew my mind. You know, that's when I had to start looking at atheism more as a childish gesture to get out of trying to figure out the unfigurable, because that's really what it was. You know, I didn't want to accept that I'm not meant to know everything. Back to that ego transition, back to maturing that ego, to be able to accept that, you know, I'm not smarter than a dog. I just live a different life than a dog, you know, to be able to accept these conundrums, if you will, and to really internalize them and, you know, and make them a part of you. And that takes time. Time is an element of this recipe. That's why I don't want anybody to think lightning bolts is going to hit you. For the blessed few, it is sometimes that way. It's overnight. It's instant. But they are the few. They're not the many. I'm the many. And the many was, is it's going to take you time. You're going to have to integrate. You're going to have to accept and allow. You know, we give you some other principles like just is. Those two little words got me through so much shit in prison. Because if you start coming at everything in life, it just is. You're not just you're dealing with it. And this is the difference of, you know, of responding to a thing in life or reacting to a thing in life. And up until ayahuasca, I was basically reacting. I was very reactive because that's what the military teaches you to be reactive. They don't teach you how to respond. And response is a whole different ballgame. Wow. This is incredible. I know. I 
So you were 38 when you came out of prison. Yeah, well, about 30, I'd say 38. Off the top of my head, I was probably a little younger, 37, 36 in there. So I think what um, a lot of people have a hard time with is is starting over or they feel like it's too late. And I think that that is just an incredible showing of, of it's never too late. It's never too late for anything. Like anybody can change. Anybody can turn their life around. And for you, you know, to go from where you were and it, it just goes back to that old saying, hurt people, hurt people, heal people, heal people. And you're doing so much work for people who need it. And it's incredible to think about the transformation that's happened from you going from hurting people and doing for you. And, you know, I don't know what all you got into, but <laughs> Robin Banks and, and now you're helping people heal. And it, I love for, though that for five years, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. It's I, okay. robbed I robbed banks for five years. I robbed 17 banks. That wow. included how many cars I stole. And, you know, I didn't just wake up robbing banks. Okay. I was a criminal pretty much my whole life from, but back, but back then you got to realize in the early, late seventies, early eighties, it wasn't really even considered crime. You know, back then before DUI laws, it was just a wilder place and a wilder time in, in America, especially, you know, and I just got caught up into that and it just kept growing. And I had a family, you know, I had at the time I had three biological kids, me and Terry between us have six. And, you know, it, and my mom and dad, I was born late in their life and they were failing. And at the time I was driving semi. So I couldn't take care of my parents and I made a bad choice. I got pissed. You know, I was pissed at my country because I didn't think my mom and dad deserved this in their elderly years of all these prescription bills that they couldn't pay. And all they had was Social Security because they were hardworking people their whole life. My mom and dad never even got a traffic ticket. You know, I'm the one person who cannot blame my upbringing. I can't blame my parents. I can't blame where I lived or the schools I went to. I was just a bad kid. You know, and I picked up quickly the bad things of life, if you will. But and I can't tell you that I didn't have a hell of a good time. either. <laughs> and that's the other side of it. You know, if I'm honest with you. And so but this shift that Terry saw, you got to realize she's seen me at my worst just coming out of prison when I was at my hatefulest and my angriest. And she's seen how all this was being turned around. Now, I was no longer plotting another heist, that I was throwing away all these letters I'm getting from inmates that had gotten out before me, wanting me to join their gang, wanting me to join them on heist and all the above. And, you know, and she's seen that I was doing this. And then she st I started putting the info in front of her and she slowly came on board, but it didn't happen overnight by no means. And neither did my transformation. You know, I still have days I slip just like everybody else, man. Life still goes on. Then you're, you know, you're condemned will creep back through, but that's when you got to catch it in that inner dialogue and say, whoa, I'm Steve, you're not about this no more. We're not doing this no more. Well, this ain't fun no more. And you say action speaks so much louder than words. And I think that that's incredible because that's sort of what starts the motion for other people to follow along. You know, you don't speak on it. You just do. Yeah. It, it just is yeah. like what you were saying. It just is. Yeah, it just is. And and that relieves a lot of frustration. Those two little words, you know, you know, and, and I had to use that in prison. Sometimes a guard would come in, who knows, had a fight with his old lady and he just decided to take it out on me. Well, I could walk around pissed off and fantasizing. I'm going to kill cops and all this, but that ain't helping me get out of this cage. And you know what? I see so many people out here in the free world in worse cages than I was in in prison because they're in the cage of their mind. Well, and that's what I love about what you do is you've been at rock bottom. And when you started this, you sat with those addicts who so many people probably gave up on them and had no hope for them and thought they were just going to be, you know, 
continue to be a menace to society. And you saw an opportunity there. And obviously it's, it's, it's up to them to heal and it's up to them to, you know, to, to make different, um, changes in their life. But the fact that you held their hand during that is very, very profound. I think it's incredible. And sometimes gave them some tough love. You right. know, sometimes we give tough love, you know, we, Absolutely. and because we've been there, we know when someone's bullshitting us, you know, mm-hmm. we know when you're, when you're fronting, you know, you're wanting sympathy because that's how you've gotten through in life. And sometimes that's the last thing that person needs. Their subconscious is opening up to the air and that's what we're there for. And that's exactly why I like my people to come from real life experiences and failures, you know, because those are the ones that learn the truth. Yeah. Um, on your show, we haven't finished all of the episodes because like I said, we just came across it randomly and it's still blowing my mind how that happened. But in every episode, and this is what I don't think people realize, or like, you know, I don't need that. I don't need that. There are so many different people who come on and they all have yeah. very different reasons for coming to you. And so I think some of them, you know, depression, anxiety. Um, I think you had someone on who was transgender and having a hard time with her identity and her parents and or her mother. And it's just, it's bipolar, bipolar, military, like so many PTSD people that this could help heal. <laughs> And I don't think that there's anybody that it could like not help. I don't, it just, that sounds incredible to me because it's, it, even though it's not a one size fits all, it's almost like, but this could help you. (laughs) It's amazing. And let me give you a little background on that show. We let the producers choose the people because it was a documentary. You know, it wasn't just a show. It was a documentary. And so one of the agreements I made was we would medically clear the people through our church, but the producers could pick and choose. That way they knew I wasn't stacking deck, you know, that I wasn't having members apply who would fake it and all the above. So those were very real people. Yeah, very real people. And we didn't even meet them until the first ceremony. I didn't want no contact, no anything until well, the first ceremony. And what's so amazing about you and Terry is how you were able to read people. Like, I can tell she has so much going on in her head. She can't get out of her own mind. And I can tell she's holding back. And I can tell he's doing this. And, you know, there was a scene where... um Oh gosh, this man who had an abusive father and you guys just went outside and he just screamed, just kept screaming. And that's another way of purging. He was letting it out and all of these different stories and, you know, someone who's a sex addict and someone who, you know, is just struggles with depression and has very, very low self-worth they had all of these different things, um, but the way that you guys were able to kind of just read their body language and um, individualize I, it. Yeah. And, and you just everyone needed something different, but you guys were a very good team of knowing what it was that that person kind of needed to catapult them into a new trajectory. Well, the entities also give us impressions while we're doing it, okay? We're receiving information not only physically in front of us, but spiritually as well, you know? And that's what it is, impressions. I don't want, you know, I describe it like we talk, but it's not really talking. You know, we're communicating, but we're not talking. It's vibrational, you know, but it's no different than breathing. We all can do it. You just kind of focus on it and believe that you can do it. That's the number one thing in this whole realm. What do you believe? And you know what's kind of scary? All of us leave alone. So, you know, that's why we really need to focus on building ourselves. 
You're right. We're born and we die alone. That's crazy. Yep. And there's no way around it. No. And the only thing you're going to carry to the next realm, what do you believe? Not what you think, not what you've been told, not what you read. What do you believe? Wow. (laughs) We just, we had church. I feel like I am in a therapy session right now. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't know what you were getting yourself into. Not at all. No idea. (laughs) And never would, never would I have thought that I would be getting, you know, so, you know, six months ago, I did my first mushroom trip six months ago and I haven't done anything since. Never could you have told me, and I would have believed you, that an ex-convict would be like preaching some of the most profound things that I feel like (laughs) I've ever heard in my life. But here we are. Welcome to this world. (laughs) I know, but I love it. And I think, yeah, it's fucking beautiful. I love it. I Like I said, get your dates ready. Because the next show we do about will be your ceremony. I'm loving it. And we can film it here. And, you know, I mean, you got the perfect opportunity. You're only an hour and a half away. Yeah, I know. And, yeah, so that's that's another good thing to share. You're in Campbellsville, Kentucky. Um, right now, well, we're in Greensburg, right next oh, okay. to Campbellsville. Okay, okay, good. And we have somebody to film it. Yeah, we do. I'll reach out. So uh, I guess leave our listeners... And our watchers, I guess, now that we have a YouTube with some information, how to reach out, how to find you and um, how to go about maybe scheduling something. Okay, we're real easy to find. You can Google Kentucky Ayahuasca and it's all about us. Our website is aquest.com. And the first three steps are right on the landing page, right at the top. It's real simple. And the first step is, is the application. It's free. Take a minute. You submit it right on the website. It'll take us about anywhere from three to five business days to get back with you on the email on that application. And from there, we'll give you guidance if you need medical clearance or if you need some things to think about, you know, that we we need to straighten up before you can safely do it. And then after that, you get your membership. And the membership is a lifetime membership, $200. We have to do it. It proves your sincerity of beliefs so that you are really religiously protected to work with our substances. And then after that, a three-day, two-night ceremony, two ceremonies, including Sananga eye drops from the Amazon, which wow. helps intensify your visions tremendously on the second night, uh, is $800. And lodging is included. You can stay right here at the church. And we do small groups since COVID. We do up to six people only. We have the room partitioned where that way people aren't spitting on your coffin or hacking on you. And we, if you need to, we also do private ceremonies like for one person. But you got to pay the full six people pop because I got to have my medicine people here. Everything's the same to me, whether I do one or six. So, but you can't have private ceremonies where if you don't want to be in front of people or we think it's not a good fit, like you have anxiety that's debilitating or you come from sexual trauma where, you know, you're worried about other people being in the room while you sleep, then we do have that option. And we also work with mushrooms and we do ship ayahuasca after you've been approved. So if gas prices are too much, we also ship mushrooms to do a virtual mushroom ceremony. We use Zoom to kind of guide you on helping you set up your space. If you're doing ayahuasca at home, we work with your sitter. We do not require it, but we strongly recommend on your first couple journeys to have a sitter with you, you know, that you can trust and rely on. And the other side is don't drive. No, you know, put them car keys up, give them to your sitter. So that way you don't think you can around the streets. But we we have a lot working. We work with also getting ready to bring in Bufo, which is 5 m DMT, and that's from the frog venom. <laughs> that's the toad. Yeah, so oh, see, we, we got a lot to work with here. Wow. That is on my bucket list. I know I probably sound a little crazy because I'm like, I want to do that, and I want to do that, and I want to do that, but I 
Christine and I have found out through our human design charts that we're both experimenters. And so we like to try things and then we talk about them. YOLO. (laughs) Right. You only live once. So where people are usually afraid of things, I'm like, I want to try it. Why not? Like if it's not going to kill me and if I'm going to learn something from it and if it's going to be a beautiful experience, like I am not hesitant or afraid to do something. Oh, I am excited about Toad. I'm very... You got to keep us posted on that. (laughs) Well, we will have it in. It's coming in here soon. We just made another order. And so, like I said, get get with your calendars, get with your people, get back with... I am emailing you, yeah, Steve. We will for sure. We will, we, will, we will we will get on this and, and I would love to record it yeah. and, and um be the guinea pigs for our listeners. And, and y'all are good. We'll schedule something outdoors later. That'll give us something even different to film and do a show on yes. as well. Love that. You and your wife are doing some really incredible things in the world. So I I appreciate the work that you're doing. And I, we very, very much appreciate well, we you coming you. on. Thank you so much for allowing our listeners to be part of this. And hopefully we've got some people coming at you because I know that they need it um, and giving them a place close to home. So I appreciate it so much. Um, and thank you for being so, um, so kind in person. Like yes. you are very incredible to talk to. So we're three best friends now. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so, exactly. That's what we do, man. We go around making more Bay of friends. Yes. Yes. So we'll if be we in change touch. this country, we change the world. Remember yep. that. If we change this country, we change the world. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Steve. Um, and we will see you guys You're welcome. Thank you. on the other side.